0: Coinbase is suing the SEC, or as David Woo! would say, we are suing the we, SEC. We're <laughs>
1: suing the SEC.
0: Bankless Nation, it is the last Friday of April 2023. What time is it, David?
1: Uh, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always just an ambitious endeavor. We got some lawsuits to talk about. <laughs> This time, in our favor, we're the ones doing the suing. Feels good, man. Uh, but uh, in order to prepare for all of that content, make sure that you have your morning coffee. You got your coffee, Ryan? Uh, I told totally You're going to need it. Yep. Uh, also, we should clarify, it's not you and I
0: suing anybody, at least not oh, yeah, in this case. Oh we, yeah, we, we,
1: we as the crypto industry are doing the, the suing. We the people <laughs> yeah. are suing the powers that be. This is Coinbase <laughs> suing the SEC. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's taken a while to get I it. Guess to I, I guess I should just say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll talk about that. Also, uh, John Oliver, he's got some mm-hmm. fighting words for crypto. Well, I think, i you know, it's mostly fair coverage. We're going to talk about this. I think it was the mainstream take, though. We'll talk about what that means. David, what else are we covering?
1: Uh, authorities are looking into SBF's parents. So SBF, the Bankman Freed name, back in the menu today. Uh, but then, of course, we're going to get back into our roots, talk about Chappella two weeks forward, uh, some more Rocket Pool stats, uh, and something... On Solana, I think is cool. So we'll talk about cool. that as well. Yeah. Go figure, is it a phone, David? It's not the phone. It's not the it's phone. It's a backpack. It might be it's a backpack. Not the backpack. All right. I don't we'll know what the backpack out.
0: is. To be continued, uh, guys. And of course, if you like Bankless and if you like crypto, make sure you like and subscribe, rate and review. That's how we popped at to the top of the charts. Want to get to the top of the charts in Spotify and YouTube and any other charts that exist? We want to get the crypto message out there, uh, David. Let's see how before much we, ever
1: an AI Ryan is like. If that's yeah. a chart, I want to be there.
0: It's a chart. Let's <laughs> l- let's optimize. Um, <laughs> Speaking of this, speaking of optimization, the SAFE wallet wants you to know about account abstraction, which is an optimization that they are working on. So SAFE, of course, used to be called Gnosis SAFE. It's now called SAFE. It's the multisig that everybody in Ethereum uses, including Mm -hmm. Bankless. Um, You've heard us talking about account abstraction before as well. Account abstraction is kind of the new smart contract wallet that is going to put fintech user experience to shame. And now Safe has something they are rolling out, a way for you to tap into their account abstraction. David, tell them about this SDK. Uh,
1: so if you are a developer, and like we all know, have been chanting on Bankless, we are in the paradigm of externally owned accounts. It's a terrible name. Uh, <laughs> they're probably called private keys. We know 99% of wallets are private key externally owned account wallets. Eventually, in the future, 99% of wallets will be account abstraction, also a bad name, uh, smart contract wallets. And Gnosis Safe, also called Safe, is helping us get there with this SDK for developers to build more smart contract wallets so that we can fix all of crypto's goddamn terrible UX problems. (laughs) And so Safe and their Safe Core account abstraction software development kit, devs Name stuff so weird. <laughs> uh, but they've got, a, they've got a dev package for all the devs out there. Uh, so it's, it helps you build on-ramps. It helps you build your protocol. It helps you build uh, relays for gasless transactions and meta-transactions. It, it's got a little plug-in for your fiat on-ramps because you're going to need to get money into your wallet. Uh, and so if you are building in the world of account abstraction, if you're building a smart contract wallet or you need something like this for your Web3 game or whatnot, uh, the core SDK which is available in the link in the show notes, is for you. And also, there's a hackathon going on on Monday. This
0: is Monday, mm-hmm. May, May, 1st. May 1st. So if the dev stuff didn't appeal to you, this is a hackathon
1: for everybody. They call it uh, an anything goes hackathon. A-anything, a- a- it's really hard to explain. The word anything, but with two A's, and they're both capitalized because <laughs> it's an account abstraction hackathon, but anything goes. So anything goes. If you're a non Tech, if you're a non-developer, you can do stuff just like um, yeah. explain a project. Uh, you can do the, the marketing, the presentation, you can make memes, anything goes hackathon. So it's literally like everything else is non-technical. I love um, these also a great way to hackathons. start and get on a team and to get some practice and, and sharpen your sticks in the uh, Web3 world. Yeah, more inclusive
0: hackathons. That's uh, that's cool. I hope this trend continues. Uh, David, let's get to the market. Speaking of trends and whether they're continuing or not, got to start nice. with uh, the Bitcoin price today. Are we continuing the trend up, down, or
1: flat? Dude, uh, crypto prices were super weird this week. Net flat. Net Net flat flat. on the week. Uh, So Bitcoin is down 0.33%. So it's flat. Uh, We are currently at $29,000. Almost touched $30,000. Almost broke below $27,000, but here we are at the end of the week flat. But I will remind Bankless Cesar, you should probably just pull open your phone and check the price right now, because I don't know what it's going to be like in 24 (laughs) hours. (laughs) Well, speaking of which, uh, before you do pull out the phone, let's talk about the ETH price at the time of recording. Did that do similar things to Bitcoin flat on the week? Uh, Slightly down, but it's it's flat. It's ether went down two percent this week. Um, It's it's you know what's really funny. It's flat. Do you you see these red candles? You see them both on the Bitcoin chart and the uh, the Ethereum chart.
0: Yeah. So okay, so we had a pump. So so, uh,
1: yeah, the the red candle happened while we were recording with Ledger. Ether pumped from eighteen hundred almost up to two thousand, and we were like, "We're back, baby." Uh, Same thing with Bitcoin. Bitcoin almost it like hit thirty thousand and bounced off of it, and then like five hours later, everything dumps. Back down, Ether goes from almost 2,000 down to 1,800. Bitcoin goes from 30,000 down to 27,000. And now we're back right in the middle of those two things. So, Ryan, what the hell happened?
0: Well, this was happening, by the way, during. We don't usually do shows on just prices and just right. charts, but we did a show on just prices and just charts. And this is the candle we experienced during that show. Right. Do you uh-huh. see that? Like talk on Twitter. People were blaming the thumbnail of that yeah. show as yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like a big goofy, a picture of like Ledger with his like with, mouth open. W- yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that,
1: that one might've been our fault.
0: But that it, that wasn't the case. So uh, I don't I don't think we can be blamed for this. At least David, there was I don't think news we be breaking during the show. Mt. Gox and the U.S. government wallets making transactions. The right. infamous original Mt. Gox wallets that were supposed to be sort of locked up maybe doing things, maybe causing a sell-off.
1: This news sort of propagated. It right. turns so, okay, out, David... So, the, the, mount, so here, the TLDR of Mt. Gox is that there has been a t- decent amount of Bitcoin, something like 10 to 20% of the supply of the Mt. Gox hacked hack Bitcoins that has been locked up in the court proceedings because some of forever. the Mt. Gox... Forever, because some people keep on delaying and delaying delaying. I don't know why the strategy is behind yeah. that. Anyways, the the Mount Gox... Bitcoin unlock FUD has been with us since I've been in crypto like oh yeah It's like the, the that meme of like the truck running into the wall, but the camera cuts every <laughs> single time It's been it like that for like happens. four four years uh, And That's so exactly the news broke like. that a mount gox wallet actually started sending transactions implying That the FUD has finally arrived the the, the truck is finally gonna crash into the wall uh, and so uh, an alert uh, like a bot alert alert about like, hey, this wallet's making transactions went out, which is yep. what triggered this tweet from D B, who does all of these breaking tweets saying Mt. Gox, Mt. Gox wallets are moving. They're gonna sell. They're gonna sell. The implication is that like the ten to twenty percent of the Mt. Gox exploited uh bitcoins are Basically going to be sold because they were the right because they were one thousand to they they were like three hundred to one thousand dollars at the time of purchase and now yeah. it's whatever the price it is now thirty thousand dollars so you're gonna assume that these people are finally going to liquidate that that like almost decade long force hold so that's the story yes. and then these things f- actually start moving on chain to set off this alert this Arkham alert which triggers this tweet which forces the market to sell off. That was all that backstory. Turns out <laughs> it was an errant bug. So, once again, the truck did not crash into the wall. So, uh, turns out we just totally wasted your time by telling yes. you this. Just like that the was markets the story. wasted our time yes, in that like was the story.
0: producing this errant signal. I, I, I feel like this is a bigger picture of the markets right now, David, which is like no one really knows what to do. And so, there's all of this noise. Right. This is just more noise. Yeah, People asking noise. like why the price up and down. Well it was a false alert. But now it's mm-hmm. kind of stayed down, at least from the highs. But like it, it bounced so like much, a little
1: bit. There's yeah. so
0: much noise in this kind of market and I just kind of filtered out and I'm just uh, no, I'm
1: just done with it. I'm over it. <laughs> How about the ratio? You done on the ratio? ETH Bitcoin
0: I'm also ratio done with the ratio. The ratio. <laughs> okay, because it's going down. Uh,
1: it's 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 at 0.065, so like downer ish, but it's still within the, the last range. It's been in the last two years. Nothing thought, is significant Led- below until we get start to get below like 0.055, Ledger or above 0.8, 0.08. Ledger had good commentary on the
0: ratio. I think. Yeah, he did. Um, That's a really good episode. People should go watch that. Did it change your mind at all? Are you still holding the ratio for uh you know? Point well, yeah, because point like because
1: he was like they like David. If like you know, Bitcoin goes Bitcoin Hulk mode and uh, Bitcoin's at hundred thousand dollars and Ether's only at five thousand dollars, that is a ratio of like point. I'm gonna catch you the math. It was something like point zero five or something and i'm like well that's i held that my my ratio trade down to the 3 hours capital liquidation when it got down to 0.04 or something so like You're not scared come at me bro like i'm not scared yeah uh-huh. no ETH, eth is a different eth
0: than the last bear market and that was right. the main thrust of yeah. Ledger's argument last bear market it was weak it was so weak so weak, weak in so comparison weak. to bitcoin we, yeah. we got a much stronger eth this time around uh, global crypto market cap. I'm going to say it this time, David, because it's so uninteresting. Oh, you're taking it from
1: me two weeks in a row. Well, We're right? above
0: a trillion. 1.24 oh, trillion. <laughs> that's
1: that's what you need to know.
0: <laughs> Tell us about this story, though. Humulative ETH deposit Beacon Chain and Validator. Should we shook the snow globe? What's mm-hmm. happening with all the, the ETH that was staked? Is it being unstaked? Is it staking elsewhere? What's going
1: on? Uh, so I've become a connoisseur of Chappella metrics, dashboards, etc., this dash this particular dashboard Very from the fancy. block I think is is the best one to okay. illustrate the chappelle snow globe okay. so this is the ether supply deposited into the beacon chain since the' launch of the beacon chain in December of 2020. And of course the chart is up only the entire time up until the Trapella uh, withdrawal fork that happened uh, two weeks ago. And so the line is literally cannot go down up until two weeks ago. And then the withdrawals happened. And this was like, though, the withdrawals are coming. The withdrawals are coming. Everyone's gonna withdraw. And you can see you can see the first moment that this line goes down at the teeny little top right there. <laughs> and it goes from a whopping 18 point something million uh, ether uh, stakes down to like 17 point, Seven 17.5 uh, million Ether staked, and we have continued on the same uptrend that we've been on since December of 2020. Uh, withdrawals seem to have uh, slowed down, uh, and deposits have continued. Uh, and so the withdrawal seemed to be over two weeks. David,
0: I, I want to take you back down uh, memory lane, Crypto Grandpa. Do you remember when it was we were worried? Right. The Ethereum community is worried about getting 500k ETH right. staked. Because we, cause we needed
1: 500k to, to kickstart the beacon chain and, and like we weren't necessarily getting there. Are we going to get it? Look, look at that.
0: That's way back here.
1: <laughs> yeah. 500k ETH. And now we we're talking it. about like just, 18 a, million, you know, Yeah.
0: Yeah. 18 million.
1: 500k <laughs> ETH got withdrawn. And that is a blip. Yeah, it's just a blip.
0: Uh, what about this? Another dashboard for, for the fine connoisseur of dashboarding mm-hmm. that you are. How do you rate this Hildabi dashboard? What can we take away from uh, ETH staking here?
1: This Hildabi dashboard is uh, a top tier, very fine, very fine <laughs> okay. dashboard. It's very, very nice. Very fine. Um, (laughs) uh, we are net inflows since the Shanghai Chappella hard fork, a negative 440,000 ether in the deposit in the beacon chain. So that is the number of ether that has been net withdrawn that used to be lower. I think it was as low as something like 0.7 million. Now we're at 0.44 million. Um, the total supply of ether on the beacon chain, 18.7 million. Uh, and, uh, the, actually the cool parts about this thing, if you go to, uh, scroll down a little bit further. So stakers, del- the delta of stakers in the last month. Uh, so you can filter that, Ryan, by uh, market share. Uh, and so you can see who's won and who's lost in the last like month or so by clicking on the market share word. Uh, that's in the last week, but go over to the one, go over to the month because it's been more of a, uh, more than one week. Uh, so Kraken, obviously the big loser because of, uh, uh, lost all their stake teeth because uh, Gary Gensler forced them to. Um but even Coinbase, uh, who was unforced, also is a net loss of Ether, uh, net net outflows of Ether. Uh, Huobi, um, Gemini, decentralized exchanges. Uh, now, if you click that one again, we, we will see who the winners are. So the, the market share increase, if you order by who has won the most the, of the snow globe. So where has all that snow landed, that good old Ether? Uh, Unidentified is the winner here at 1.5% growth in market share, which is big, by the way. Who is identified? Unidentified. Who is that, Ryan? It's probably a lot of solo stakers. Right. They're identified because they're solo stakers. Those are the many people. At 1.5%. Coming in second is staked.us. I think that is um, staked wise. Coming in second at, uh, they gained 0.6% market share. Stakefish, uh, P2P, OKX, followed by Rocket Pool at 0.2%. Uh, and so that is the winners and,
0: and the losers pretty cool. So the snow globe is happening uh to some to some extent. And uh mm-hmm. yeah, what's really interesting is this is just a blip off of the high. Do you, do you think we've bottomed already, David? On the, the oh, withdrawal yeah. I think to we deposit bottomed. ratio? I think we
1: bottomed. Yep. Colin, wow. I'm
0: famous for calling bottom for calling bottoms. Uh calling the bottom. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to agree with you. It's yeah. both David and Ryan calling the bottom, cool. so you know it can't. That be wrong. doesn't happen often. Two
1: two, <laughs> two bankless hosts calling the bottom right now. Got to be the other bottomed. thing that's worth noting actually is that Lido has mm-hmm. not yet enabled withdrawals. They ah. had like two, they have had like two or three more weeks. I think it's at the end of May when they, oh. uh, so like they still have their snow globe moment. And honestly, like when you're in the lead of the staking derivatives and you're like taking your time to like enable withdrawals, like, yeah, I bet you guys would take your time to enable <laughs> withdrawals. <laughs> I, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't have called
0: the bottom just now because who knows what could happen with the uh, Lido. That's a pretty, uh- I, well, I, don't, I wouldn't
1: share. be too worried about that because uh, you can always exit as a Lido person with stake teeth. Um, and so there is an exit route. Um, it, but yeah, there will be some pent-up demand. Uh, Lido has definitely got a lot of net inflows. Uh, but that's because they're, it's kind of unfair because they literally don't allow outflows. So it's still in only for Lido. You know, it's a market piece I really enjoyed this week
0: was uh, a piece by Polenia who is a, an L2 researcher in general, uh, pseudo-anonymous, had them on the Bankless podcast before, and they do a quick tour of the top five chains by economic activity. This is a post I think is worth reading. We'll include a link to it in the show notes, but I'll, I'll go through the kind of the breakdown. Number one, top chain by economic activity. I'm it's got to be, of course, you know it, Ethereum oh, at number God. one <laughs> by a lot. Okay, oh, Ethereum God. secures <laughs> was $420 Across ETH, ERC20s, and NFTs, Pliny goes through different dimensions to kind of judge both passive and active economic activity, and uh, Ethereum is in the lead on both, both pac- passive and active. Of course, it's far in the lead over over the number two, which is Bitcoin, on active, and and number two indeed is Bitcoin. After that, Pliny mentions this very large gap, this very large delta. Tail. Yeah, there's like it's a two horse race, basically. Um, with Ethereum leading um, by a lot on the active side on economic activity. But then after that, you get into Arbitrum. It's number three on Plenia's list, followed by Tron and Binance Smart Chain. What's interesting is if you have been mostly absorbing bankless content, right, we don't talk much about the Tron story, do we? We don't talk much about the Binance Smart Chain story. The reason we don't is because these are like- we're biased decentralization maxis <laughs> no, and i kidding. totally will admit that like i i am a biased decentralization maxi right. like i can't like both of us are right and so uh but tron is doing a lot of activity and somewhere in the spectrum of like is it sort of a bank is it fintech right. or is it crypto is it an open banking system i think the answer to that is yes um And uh, it's doing a lot with uh, Tether right now. Mm -hmm. Binance Mm -hmm. Smart Chain as well. So if you talk to um, people in Argentina right now, and what crypto are they actually using? It's like stable coins on Tron and Binance Smart Chain. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. And that usage, I think is- has
1: great adoption in financially underserved parts of the world. I think it's great. I'm not mad
0: about this. It's more private keys in the hands of more people. Yep. Um hopefully it doesn't rug everyone at some point, but it's got some rug resistance in it, not a lot. Yeah. A little bit. It's got some more Lindy, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. Anyway, that's the uh, he breakdown. does, he
1: does follow up, uh, excuse me. They, they also follow up saying that the once dominant number two player, Binance Smart Chain, and also Tron has been dethroned by Arbitrum one, this last bear market. Okay. If the YouTube viewers are confused about the tweet that was on screen, that didn't go by the list that uh, Ryan and I just said, that's because Polinia elaborates further on about his reasoning, their reasoning. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've shown uh, a faulty tweet. All right, yeah. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, Coinbase suing the SEC. That's us, I claim. <laughs> uh, and a public response, an interesting strategy. They're posting the, their response to the SEC, both as a written letter because that's what you do, and a YouTube video, taking a leaf out of Influencer Gary's book. So we're going to watch <laughs> a clip out of that uh, that YouTube video. Uh, and we'll also take a peek, Ryan, at a case study of some character development, if you will, of a pre-SEC Gary Gensler at MIT giving some takes. So we're going to watch some clips. Uh, been, we've been clip heavy on the weekly roll up in the last uh, couple weeks. I like clips, and that continues. Speaking of clips, John Oliver, got some John Oliver clips as well. <laughs> uh, and He's got some uh, takes for crypto as well for the mainstream. So we're going to play all those scripts and talk about them and all that stuff as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors, especially Kraken, our strategic sponsor for 2023, the one that we always look at when we look at prices earlier in the show. So thank you Kraken for helping us look at these prices and let's go hear from Kraken right now. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry the place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit Pro.Kraken.com to get started today. If you haven't yet experienced the superpowers that a smart contract wallet gives you, check out Ambiart. Ambiart works with all the EVM chains, the Layer 2s like Arbitrum, Optimism, and Polygon, but also the non-Ethereum ecosystems like Avalanche and Phantom. Ambiart lets you pay for gas and stablecoins, meaning you'll never have to spend your precious ETH again. And if you like self-custody, but you still want training wheels, you can recover a lost Ambiart wallet with an email and password, but without giving the Ambiart team control over your funds. The Ambiart wallet is coming soon for both iOS and Android, and if you want to be a beta tester ambire is airdropping their wallet token for simply just using the wallet you can sign up at ambire.com and while you're there sign up for the web app wallet experience as well so thank you ambire for pushing the frontier of smart contract wallets on ethereum
0: coinbase is suing the sec or as david would say we are suing the sec we're (laughs)
1: suing the sec
0: (laughs) this is a tweet from paul the chief legal officer at coinbase he says today we filed a narrow action in the u.s circuit court to compel the sec to respond yes or no to a rulemaking petition we filed with them last July, asking them to provide regulatory guidance for the crypto industry. All they want is a simple yes or no. David, what is happening
1: here? So I've never heard of this narrow action um, phrase before. I'm assuming it's a legal term to uh, sue. They're suing them to do this one thing, which is reply yes or no to this petition, which you've got pulled up, uh, that they filed with them last July. So they filed a petition. um, If you want to skip over to that one, Ryan. they filed this petition forever ago and uh, Coinbase or is suing the SEC to get them to just say yes or no to this petition. Reply uh, and to Pearl our letter. follows up his tweet saying, the SEC is required by law to respond to petitions quote, within a reasonable time. But mm-hmm. they have not yet responded to our petition from last July, which we are coming up to a, almost a year on, um, being May almost. Uh, and so that, they are suing them for not doing that, their job in a reasonable amount of time. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's just a yes or no lawsuit. But I mean, it, the implications of that are large. Have they not gone in for office hours with Gary, David? It's they, have that not gone, they have not
0: gone in for office hours. Jeez, well, come on, Coinbase. All you have to do is go to office hours.
1: So we found this uh, Twitter thread from Meta Lawman, who is a lawyer who comments on this. Uh, and so here's what they here's everything you need to know about this real quick. Real quick. Um, this case will move fast, he claims, unlike the Ripple case. Uh, this will uh, begins in the appellate court, not the trial court. I don't know what an appellate court is. Uh, there will be no discovery. Just a briefing and a hearing. Uh, he follows and says, Coinbase has an all-star legal team led by Eugene Scalia, former Secretary of Labor and son of Supreme Court Justice Anton, Anton Scalia. Uh, Coinbase is seeking a writ of mandamus which is god the legal system which is a court order compelling the sec to do its job and announce a decision on coinbase's request for rulemaking this action does not necessarily affect the sec's timing for suing coinbase as it has threatened to do again it's a separate issue which we will talk about And then he follows up and says, I expect major industry players to pile in with amicus briefs supporting Coinbase's position. We might also see the House Financial Services Committee or individual members come in with briefs in support of Coinbase, which we recently saw from last week's hearing that, yes, there is a lot of support for this. Uh, The SEC commissioners will have to approve any response to Coinbase's action. There's a tiny chance that the SEC will blink and agree in exchange in rulemaking. If just one commissioner withdraws their support for Gary Gensler's regulation by an enforcement strategy, he's done." Wow. While Coinbase's action does not directly affect pending SEC cases against Ripple, Bittrex, and others, it does a great job in shining a spotlight on the SEC's contradictory contradictory positions about its authority to regulate digital assets. Other judges will take note. I remember, I think a month ago, I can't remember when, but one theme of the roll-up was like Gary Gensler is icarissing, he's flying too close to the sun, he's gone too far. It was probably the weekly roll-up where they the SEC announced the Wells Notice against Coinbase, and what we said is like, oh, they just—they're this Coinbase is too big. They're going to fight them tooth and nail, and also they're going to lose because they're standing on shaky footing. And so all of that is seemingly shaping up, and this is where we are.
0: Yeah. By the way, um, in that uh, thread that you read, if just one commissioner withdraws their support for Gary Gensler, what uh, meta lawman means is one additional. Commissioner, We already mm-hmm. have some SEC commissioners. Hester right. Peirce, of course, has famously dissented with just about everything Gary has tried right. to do with his crypto policy. If she can get one more commissioner to dissent and uh, defect from Gary's side of things, then Gary is done. What is does what that mean he's done, says. though? He's like, he's that's a great lose? question. What does this yeah. mean by, by done? Like, I don't no, think no. it means he's fired. I just think it means he exactly. has to, like, capitulate. Uh, to this one particular issue. Um, There's some other things going on from Coinbase as well, including this video, which was
1: just released as of this morning. David, what are we about to watch? Okay. So this is the Coinbase response to the SEC in video format. It's a longer video. It's 13 minutes. This is a four minute clip. Um, They are releasing their response. This is, they're also filing like a normal document that looks like a legal document, but they're also doing the 2023 thing, which is apparently to also you gotta fight. wear suits. You got to wear suits and <laughs> you also have thing. to fight on social media. And so we're taking the, the we're taking the fight to uh, the, the algorithms. And so they are uh, posting this video on the Coinbase YouTube. Uh, and here is Brian and Paul, uh, with their, re- uh, response to the SEC Wells notice. Uh, the, 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 th- of, of the SEC, this is their response. So let's watch this. Actually, Ryan and I have not watched this, so we are watching this for the first time right now. Let's go.
2: To the chair, other commissioners, and staff of the Securities and Exchange Commission, I want to thank you for this opportunity to speak directly to you. Huh. My name is Paul Graywell. I'm Coinbase's chief legal officer. And with me is Hi, Brian, Brian Armstrong, the chief executive officer and chairman Hi, of Brian. Official. I'd like to yes. start by turning things over
3: to Brian to say a few words. Brian. Brian? Yeah, thanks, Paul. So again, thank you for the opportunity to respond to this Wells notice. And I thought I'd share a few words just about the founding story of Coinbase and why I decided to base it here in the US and how we've proactively sought out compliance over the last 11 years. So back in 2012, I had just read the Bitcoin white paper and, you know, something clicked in my head when I first read this, that this might be a very important technology breakthrough that could help update the financial system globally. You know, I'd had a firsthand experience seeing Um, how difficult and challenging certain aspects of the financial system were. I had been a software engineer at Airbnb and I had seen how difficult it was to send and receive payments globally to 190 countries. Um, It was slow and expensive and difficult. Um, I had lived in Argentina actually for a year, um, studying abroad and working abroad. And I had seen what a country looked like that had gone through hyperinflation, where people had lost trust in uh, the currency and they didn't have access to good financial services. They couldn't get loans, for instance. To buy a car or or a home, and so when I read the Bitcoin white paper, I, I thought this might be an important breakthrough, something on the order of what we saw with the internet, a new global and decentralized system that could uh, make it easier for people to transmit value and update financial services globally. The next decision I had was um, where do I want to start this company? Once once I realized I wanted to start a company, and you know I, I went to some early Bitcoin meetups in San Francisco, and people were telling me you know you shouldn't base it in the U.S. It's going to be too challenging. There's 50 state regulators and multiple federal regulators, and you should start it in Hong Kong or Singapore. And um, there was other firms that were starting at that time that did that. But I made the choice at that moment to start the company in the US because I knew that even if it was more difficult, the US was a major market. There was respect for rule of law. Um, The US was a financial hub, a technology hub. It was a place where I felt entrepreneurs could work in good faith with regulators to help define clear rules for new industries as they emerged. And so I was lucky enough to raise some venture capital money. You know, the prototype on my laptop nights and weekends um, turned into a small company and we went off to the races. You know, 11 years later, fast forward, um, this strategy of proactively working with regulators in, in cases where it really wasn't clear what we should do because it was a new industry, we tried to do the right thing in the absence of clarity and um, show, demonstrate good faith effort that would allow us to bring this technology in a safe and thoughtful way to hopefully a billion people someday. So here we are um, as a public company, I think we've made enormous strides. And I think the message I'd I'd really like to leave with the commissioners and the SEC is that uh, we're committed to working in within the regulatory perimeter. We want to see a a clear market structure for trading crypto securities. Not all crypto assets are securities. There's also crypto commodities, there's stable coins, there's crypto that's artwork. We're gonna work with multiple regulators uh, to make this industry safe and trusted. And um, a Wells notice at this stage, when there is not a clear rule book, is not constructive and it's not good for America. Um, We are prepared to defend that position in court, but it doesn't have to come to that. We welcome a true dialogue about a workable (laughs) path forward for our industry. Now I'll hand it back over to Paul. COINDACE has been talking to the SEC about our business for many
2: years now, including sharing our legal views on our asset listing and staking services we've repeatedly asked the SEC for its own views on how securities laws might apply to Coinbase and our industry. And to be candid, we've mostly gotten silence in response. Coinbase will defend itself vigorously in litigation if it comes to that, but it does not have to come to that. We will show up at your offices any day, any time to discuss a workable path forward for our industry. But we won't find that path without true dialogue.
3: Yo, there you go. bringing in the
2: lawyer.
1: That's that
0: interesting. I, I think it's a great format, actually. Rather than yeah. just a press release or a letter, it's just like a four-minute YouTube video. And you would it, say that as a podcaster? Well, of course I would. I'm, a, you know, I'm a video <laughs> maximalist, doing podcast maximalist. <laughs> but also, I think that um, it's interesting the way Brian started with telling his personal story, mm-hmm. and it's like the story that kind of like I chose to base this company in right. America. And I'm a I, patriot. I did the American dream thing, where you start right. with an idea, and then you develop that in America, and then you like turn it into a publicly traded company. Right. Like I did all of the things that I thought you wanted me to do, right. And now we're getting penalized with with um, regulators who are just mm-hmm. unworkable, and you sent Wells notices that there's mm-hmm. going to be enforcement. And like, just stop it, right? Like, you're not even willing to talk to us. What's going on? I think it's effective. I hope it lands. What do you think? You think this video is going to land?
1: Well, I think when you compare and contrast this video versus the Gary influencer video, like, they didn't need to make this video. They just needed to submit a document, a legal document, which they did, which so few people are going to watch. So many more people are totally going to watch this video. And like, if you compare this video to Gary's, stupid stock footage influencer video, this is going to resonate way more. Well, do you know it's
0: the, the reason everyone's doing these videos is because I think they all recognize that this is a battle for hearts and minds at this 100%, point in time. hundred percent. Right. It's not yeah. just, it's not just, we'll Ish- see you in court, even though that was right. kind of the not so veiled uh, threat there, which is thank God we have another
1: check and balance. But it's, right, it's, it's like also- Brian showing up to tell a story and then his lawyer next to him, the bad cop, being like, and, and we're we'll going sue to you. sue you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, I think it's effective. Uh, David, you want to do some throwback clips of Gary Gensler
1: uh, the way yeah. he used to be before accepting the job here? Yeah, this is a, this is pre-SEC Gary Gensler. This is before he turned into a paid shill for the banking sector. Uh, when he was a, f- a free man, if you will, uh, giving his free unadulterated takes as a professor of knowledge at MIT. So here's what Gary has to say about how you start a decentralized crypto network. Let's hear from GearBear.
4: And, 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 and it, it could be something that has no central authority right now, no central intermediary, and it's just had a jumpstart something. I think in that circumstance, it's more likely you need a native token. Hmm.
1: Hmm. So you want to start a decentralized network. You need something to jumpstart it. And so Gary says that's why you use a native token. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Continue. Okay, Go on, but, Gary. Uh, but Ryan, do, do you think that those native tokens are securities? Let's, at, let's ask 2018 GearBear. Hmm. Here we go. So we
4: already know in the U.S. and in many other jurisdictions that three-quarters of the market are not ICOs or not what would be called securities, even wow. in the U.S., Canada, and Taiwan, the three jurisdictions that follow something we similar to the Howey test that we've talked about. Yeah. Three-quarters of the market is non-securities. It's just... A commodity a cash three quarters,
1: three quarters um, of so the you'll crypto hear market according to gary
4: coin offerings and what's a security and what's not a security relevant relevant and important debate but for three quarters of the market it's not particularly relevant as a legal matter huh. as a regulatory matter brodish wow.
1: wow that 2018 is gary gary sounding like he's making a lot of sense i would get a beer with that guy that, that sounds guy great. sounds uh i like that profi- i would take that class that's incredible. Uh,
0: this is uh, Brian Armstrong actually responding to this, to this tweet. He's he's retweeting it, the
1: clip. And he just goes, wow. Wow. Okay. So that could be interpreted. Like how, how do you think he actually intended that to sound? Was that like a wow? Or was that like a wow? Or do you think that was like a, Whoa, (laughs) how how do you think he (laughs) meant that?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, I think it's up to interpretation and all of the above are (laughs) fantastic interpretations. So, you know, do that in your head. But like, I got to say the same thing. Wow, this is a completely different person Mm -hmm. in 2018 where he said 75% of the market the, you know, the security versus commodity thing is not even up for debate. Right? right. Um, 70, at least 75% of the 2018 market, by the way, that market was less clear than today's market. I yeah. Think too. Yeah. The 2018 <laughs> was, market was very they different. All,
1: they were all, they were all a whole bunch of things. <laughs> so what has changed? With I, want, Gary? I, I uh, can't wait to see Gary Gensler be presented with this in the court. Just like, yeah. hey, curious, Gary, um, what made you change your mind? On stage, like on, on trial. Yeah. You're talking about like an under, under oath, on trial. When, yeah. when did you go from everything is a security? When did you go from three quarters of these things are not securities and we need native tokens to bootstrap a network to 99% are securities? Where yeah. was the change? What changed? Because yeah, something changed? happened. I something mean, we, acute we happened.
0: There oh, was a, There's Gary, a clear
1: before after moment. And I would like to know uh, what caused that.
0: I think it's like you get in a position of power and then your incentives totally change. So you're not incentivized towards kind of, kind of like truth and actual communication of the story. You have a different agenda, whether that's more mm-hmm. power accrual is maybe part of the agenda here, whether this is more like political influence is part of the agenda where there's actually some kind of like lobby group that is drastically influencing you. We may never know. But um, we can only judge him by the 2018 Gary versus the 2023 Gary. And these are two completely different people. He, mm. that, that's the thing. When, do you remember at the time when Gary Gensler was actually replaced Jay Clayton right. as the SEC chair? And there was actually an air of maybe hope about this. Yeah, there was cautious like,
1: optimism about Gary
5: Gensler, well, because including we saw, us. We
0: knew, the, we knew these 2018 clips. And we're right. like, finally, a regular that gets understands it. this industry. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now he's used that understanding and completely like abandoned it in pursuit of some different agenda. It's right. very unfortunate. Yeah. But um let's uh let's talk about what we can do. Mm-hmm. So there is some action that uh that we can take. Um what is this, David? Can I mint an NFT
1: and support a cause here? How does this work? That's exactly what you can do, Ryan. So Coinbase is starting a Stand With Crypto campaign where you can mint a commemorative shield NFT, it's an NFT with a shield. It's literally an emoji, uh, and it's uh, a very, very low price mint. Something like 0. 0.007 ether, I think. Uh, so Ryan's going to go there right now. He's going to connect our friends and sponsors at MetaMask, the wallet there, so he can go and mint this thing. Do you Are want? Are you it? making me mint it right now? I'm making you mint it right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the mint I is free, Coinbase. but there is a donation. Zora, Zora charges a fee. That fee is like point zero seven seven ether or something. So like a couple dollars. Which goes to the gitcoin advocacy round so all of the fees from this shield mint nft plus a hundred thousand dive donated i believe by coinbase is going to the gitcoin advocacy round uh so ryan is going to mint his nft with uh, metamask or our friends and sponsors at metamask thank you for, for for doing that uh and then a little bit of oh excuse me 0. 0.000777 ether it's real cheap. The, the, real the cheap. gas will cost you a lot more than the actual price of the NFT. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's about $10 in total right now. <laughs> uh, okay, so Ryan just minted one. Uh, so thank you for donating to the Gitcoin advocacy round. Uh, and You're that's welcome. going out. And thank uh, you for supporting uh, supporting crypto, Ryan. I appreciate that. I also burnt some ETH
0: in that transaction. Also, me, David. ETH, a- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So we are fighting back. We are pushing back on this. Uh, David. We actually have Paul, the chief legal officer at Coinbase, coming on the show a little bit later too. Uh, what's happening there?
1: Yeah, it will be out by the time the Bankless Station is listening to this. So Thursday night, uh, we are uh, live streaming with Paul, uh, who is coming up, going to come on and we're going to talk to him about suing the SEC. So that's going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> <to> that one, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. L- I, I prefer to talking to the bad cop in, the, in this scenario.
0: Yeah. David, another fight for crypto, though, is uh, the mainstream narrative. That's mm-hmm. a fight I think we still need to uh, put in some work on. John Oliver, on his show last week tonight, uh, covered crypto. It's a second major crypto episode in about a 25-minute segment. And I think he really expresses what the mainstream thinks about crypto right now. Of course, he covered the events of of 2022. So he talked about FTX, he talked about Terra, he talked about Celsius, Uh, And his conclusion was pretty much that crypto is mostly a scam, almost Mm -hmm. 100% a scam. And I don't blame him necessarily for reaching that conclusion given 2022. And yet it falls so short. So David, I think we should maybe play some clips and give uh, the bankless listeners a flavor of of what the, the conversation was.
5: But FTX has been just one of the many dominoes that fell in the crypto world. Over the past two years, the market value of all cryptocurrencies fell from around $3 trillion in late 2021 to around $1 trillion last year. And there are small investors who got badly hurt by all of this. One in five Americans has invested in, traded or used cryptocurrency. And you can find countless stories of people losing most of their life savings in the recent implosions, underscoring that everyone in crypto was never actually going to make it, no matter how much Randy Zuckerberg screamed, sang otherwise. <laughs> So tonight, we thought we'd take a look at what has been happening in the world of crypto by looking at three of the biggest collapses over the past year. Each of these companies was founded on the promise that they would replace some part of our financial system. There is Terra, a cryptocurrency, Celsius, a crypto bank, and FTX, a crypto trading platform. In theory, they were supposed to be our next dollar, our next Bank of America, and our next stock exchange. But in reality, they are fiascos. So far, David, I...
0: He's not wrong on these takes. Yeah. I mean, these are the exact takes that that we had in yeah. uh, 2022. It's just
1: well, we didn't platforms. think these about thing, not not these specifically, but we are replacing the dollar. We are replacing the stock exchange. It's not FTX. It's Uniswap. It's yep. not Terra. It might be something like Dai. Um, yeah, it's not Celsius. It's DeFi. Right. right? Yeah, that's the thing. And but so these are our narratives. These are the words that are, we use.
0: He's not wrong. Is what I'm saying. Let, let, let's play another clip.
5: Just as a reminder, every single crypto coin is just something someone with a laptop made up. That is true for all of them, like Dogecoin, Catcoin, Pandacoin, Furrycoin, Cum Rockets, Elon Sperm, and Monkeyjizz. Those are all real, by the way. We were going to come up with a fake one as a joke, but then we saw Monkeyjizz, and it felt like a hat on a hat. <laughs> To the extent (laughs) any of these coins have value, it's based on whether people believe they do, which often comes down to their confidence in the person or group who made the coin. And that basic fact makes the crypto business very attractive to a certain type of person. One columnist who's covered this intensively sums it up like this. If you are running a scam, you will be drawn to crypto. You are running a confidence game, and crypto offers the most efficient market for turning confidence into money. David, I mean, it's he's also takes, right dude. about that, right? He's
1: also right about that. Money is a confidence game. That's what we've been saying on Bankless this entire time. He's just applying it in this more narrow. Is like, yeah, the largest, most chest pounder dude or developer is the new winner in this world. Well,
0: um, the idea that scammers are attracted to crypto is also right.
1: We've also talked about this. Yeah. He's right about everything so far.
0: Okay. Okay. So that was, that was a flavor. You got
1: 3.3 million views.
0: Yeah. This is mainstream. This is what mainstream actually thinks. And they're not wrong about FTX and Celsius and Terra. I mean, they're exactly right. But let's finish with the conclusion here, which is where I think uh, John Oliver goes off track.
5: And the thing is, there are still companies out there making all the same claims that you've seen tonight. And I'm not saying that they are all scams. Maybe these three are the exceptions, although they would be joining all the other exceptions that we haven't had time to talk about tonight, from BitConnect to Quadriga to so, so many more. But the truth is, in a financial system where the only real currency is confidence, scammers are going to thrive. And I know that we usually like to point to a solution at the end of our stories, and that often means calling for more regulation, but I'm not sure that's a good idea here. The danger is, regulation might give this sector more legitimacy. It'll make a risky investment look safe when it is clearly not. And that, in turn, might entice banks to start getting more involved in crypto, giving the sector even more legitimacy, and also exposing all of us to its volatility. It really says a lot that one of the leading advocates for the government to strongly regulate crypto was Sam Bankman-Fried. And look, I'm absolutely not saying that we should get rid of crypto entirely. It could eventually be useful. Maybe the third time that we talk about it, we'll all be using a digital coin to buy everything. I doubt it, but I can't predict the future. After all, I'm no Jim Cramer. (laughs) But but we should recognise that right now, the main thing you can really do with crypto is gamble with more crypto. This is all still a casino. So if you do want to invest, do your own due diligence, never put in more than you can afford to lose. And if you ever see someone doing this, This wrong.
1: is Alex Mishinsky doing like the Archer pose. Yeah, that was a rough conclusion? conclusion. That was a rough conclusion. What, not entirely wrong,
0: but what parts are rough to you?
1: Oh, how uh, we shouldn't regulate it to give it legitimacy because then if you give it legitimacy, it might integrate and oh well, the regular financial system will invo- uh, absorb the scams and the volatility of crypto. It's like no, yeah. you regulate it so you get rid of the scams and volatility. See, I, I mean, I think it's I'm not saying we should that do that either, but th-
0: this is this though, David, is the mm-hmm. narrative that crypto is up against in 2023, and it's both kind of a, a headwind. This is what 2021 costs us. Twenty twenty two cost us, yeah. It's a, b- both a headwind and well, you th- twenty twenty-one, like you're talking about the bull market run-up and twenty twenty two is when yeah, the yeah, scammers exactly. yeah. That yeah, whole yeah. period. The last yeah. the last bull market cost us this. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. Um here's I think the interesting part about this and why I think there's an opportunity. Um for me, the scam slamming he just did was was actually cathartic. I mean, we did a lot of that yeah. ourselves and the ridicule for SBF and, and Doug Quan and Mashinsky is totally deserved. But the conclusion that all cryptos is a scam that's right. where i think there's some hubris right and i think the the problem with the mainstream narrative here is you can finish john oliver's show and i watched the whole thing and you could feel like you completely understand crypto right like that is the mm-hmm. i guess the hidden um, the hidden problem with a show like this right. is you're like oh that crypto thing all you know all the everything that was going on the big price run up it was just a bunch of scams ha i thought so and then right. you're going to dismiss it and you're going to miss out on the alternative to celsius which is defi and the alternative to ftx which are uniswap and uh coinbase type regulated exchanges and kraken and you can miss all the alternative right. to um, you know a stable coin for instance like like terra and you'll miss something like dai and everything all the innovation that's going on so the reason it's an opportunity david is because i think right now just like in 2019 when crypto was dead and the cycles before that we're getting the same sentiment and i am happy to have the counter trade to that because i think this is what the mainstream narrative thinks right now and so to me this is a massive buying opportunity if you believe the opposite if you believe that crypto isn't a scam if you believe there is real innovation here if you believe that stable coins will be absolutely massive if you believe that DeFi will actually um, change the world and be the way we bank in the future. Right. This is a massive counter-trade opportunity.
1: No, that, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, this is a great signal of how when you are uh, being a contrarian investor about something that you know have high confidence in being right about. But um, it it gives me D- twenty eighteen to twenty twenty vibes when we felt that about Ethereum. Dare we yeah. call this a bottom signal? Oh, certainly. I mean, it's one of the bottom signals, right? In the same
0: right. way Randy like, Zuckerberg video was a top signal, we're all going to make sure. it.
1: Sure. I mean, and like also this uh, uh, John Oliver's audience is the exact kind of people. I'm going to um, Blake a statement here is like all of the people who were bitter about the crypto people making a bunch of money in 2021, 2022, this show is for them.
5: They yes. want to watch the <laughs> show
1: and be like, Oh, I'm I so right. I, I believe exactly. in myself. Yeah. All, all the all the crypto haters that got bitter that their crypto friend made a bunch of money. I'll call them smart fart smellers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are watching this show and being like, hmm. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally what happened. Right. And so and yet- that, that is his audience. Right. And that's why the conclusion he has of like. Don't even give it any legitimacy. Don't even regulate it. The conclusion of that show doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a good take for him yep. to conclude, to get the views, to get the people to you know smell their farts. Yeah, and all yeah, that kind yeah. Of stuff. <laughs> that, that's exactly how he was going to end the show <laughs> on exactly that note because that's right. what the audience wanted. Right, and uh, you know that he would never produce a counter show in the peak of a market talking about like how the crypto is doing the crypto thing. You know, you yep. would never see that. You would only ever yep. see the show in the bear market.
0: Yeah. So I I don't act. I mean, crypto gave him all of the ammo to produce that show that he needed. We, we just served that
1: to him on a platter. I do
0: not, do not blame him at all for no that. take. Way. I'm just yeah. pointing out that it's an incredibly shallow take. That's what the overall mainstream narrative thinks exactly. about crypto right yeah. now. Uh-huh. And so if you counter trade that, uh, I think it could be a, a good
1: move yeah. right now. If you believe yeah. the opposite, David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got some updates on the Binance Voyager deal. Sad for Voyager. We're also going to talk about SBS mom, of all people. (laughs) (laughs) SBS mom. uh, I won't sing the song. Uh, Lens (laughs) launching in layer three. And Solana has got a thing that's making me feel things, and we're gonna talk about that. But first, we're gonna to talk to all of these sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask, who, if we're using all these weird crypto words, crypto jargon, MetaMask has a product for you called MetaMask Learn. Let's go hear about it. Learning about crypto is hard. Until now, introducing MetaMask Learn, an open educational platform about crypto, Web3, self-custody, wallet management, and all the other topics needed to onboard people into this crazy world of crypto. MetaMask Learn is an interactive platform with each lesson offering a simulation for the task at hand, giving you actual practical experience for navigating Web3. The purpose of MetaMask Learn is to teach people the basics of self-custody and wallet security in a safe environment. And while MetaMask Learn always takes the time to define Web3-specific vocabulary, it is still a jargon-free experience for the crypto-curious user. Friendly not scary. MetaMask Learn is available in 10 languages with more to be added soon, and it's meant to cater to a global Web3 audience. So are you tired of having to explain crypto concepts to your friends? Go to learn.metamask.io and add MetaMask Learn to your guides to get onboarded into the world of Web3. Voyager tweets out, Today we received a letter from Binance terminating the asset purchase agreement. While its development is disappointing, our Chapter 11 plan allows us for direct distribution of cash and crypto to customers via the Voyager platform. So Binance US is backing out of the crypto deal. They cite regulatory challenges for that termination of that deal. And so Binance says, while our hope throughout this process was to help Voyager's customers access their crypto in kind, the hostile and uncertain regulatory climate in the United States has introduced an unpredictable operating environment impacting the entire American business community. Oof, thanks, Gary. Uh, so, um, poor one out. They're blaming for, regulators
0: for not doing this. So, so Voyager, of course, was like another Celsius in right. that a bunch of depositors were left holding the bag. Retail, yeah. Depositors, they were, well, Voyager lent
1: three hours capital, six hundred million dollars unsecured. So that was pretty dumb of them. Um, of yeah, retail money, they did a ton of dumb things. But this was
0: also an opportunity for all of the creditors to actually do a little bit better than mm-hmm. kind of a pure asset sale bankruptcy. And uh, Binance is blaming that on regulators for not going through. But imagine if you're a Voyager creditor right? This is basically what happened to you. First, you thought FTX was going to save you and then FTX imploded. Then you thought Binance was going to save you. And then the US blocked the sale. Now the court allows the sale to go through. Then Binance pulls out. That's the full story. If you're a Voyager creditor and you had funds tied up in Voyager, um, very sad, just getting dunked in the tank again and again and again, um, feels bad to have put money in any kind of quote unquote crypto bank these days.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's because of, of Gary, It's because of Gary. 100%, right? Right. Gary and everything that represents. He's become the main character for Operation Chokepoint. So yes, I agree. It's Operation Chokepoint. It's Gary Gensler and friends. Uh, Speaking of friends, does SBF have any friends left, David? I guess his parents are still friendly because he's living back at home with mom and dad. And now there's some scrutiny on SBF's parents. What's going on?
1: Yeah, so a judge has approved restrictions for SBF's parents. So uh, SBF's mom and dad are now getting strict cell phone monitoring while he is under house arrest because they are fearful that SBF will just say, hey, mom, can I use your phone? <laughs> <laughs> so a consultant just will- Just one re- tweet, mom. Just, yeah, just one post. A consultant will review keystroke logs and screenshots of Joseph Bankman and Barbara Frankman's uh, free bank- Barbara Freed's cell phones at least three times per week monitoring software are on the Bankman-Fried's parents' phones and they photograph the user every five minutes to make sure it's not Sam. So the phone takes a picture every five minutes. And if Sam Bankman-Fried's face is there, they get in trouble. Dude, that's hilarious.
0: Can can you, like, how mad would you be at your son if this was like the situation here? The, The weird thing about this though is, we don't know if they're innocent part that they're innocent parties at all. Like there seems to be a lot of evidence that they may have actually been tied up yeah, in this yeah, whole yeah. criminal enterprise. Like I think like Nick Carter and friends call it the Crime Family or yeah, something, the yeah, SBF, yeah, the crime, SBF, syndicate. Yeah. Uh-huh. crime Syndicate. And so you don't know how deeply they're involved, but it's um it's hilarious to think SBF back at home can't use mom and dad's cell phone even. Uh, is completely so locked out of that.
1: That's so funny. I have <laughs> so right. many jokes I can make, I mean, and we just need to move on or else I'll make them. Lens Protocol, what are they doing? Uh, an optimistic layer three solution. Uh, so Lens deploying a layer three to process transactions at hyperscale, they say, and designed to support the next generation of Web3 social users. This is, called it a roll app, an app chain as a roll up as Ooh, a layer three. I like three. that, roll app. Yeah, yeah, you've heard that before, right? No, that's
0: the first ah. time I've heard that, that ah, term. Well, I sadly lap. can't I like take that.
1: credit for that one. Um, okay. But uh, to you, I will. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, Lens uh, Layer 3 Roll App. I'm assuming this is deployed on Polygon um, because that's where Lens is. Um, so cool. Bonsai is what they're calling it because of the whole plant metaphor. That's very cool. Um cool. DevConnect Istanbul. Ryan, uh, this is not necessarily for the Bankless Nation, although they're welcome to listen to this announcement about DevConnect Istanbul twenty twenty three. This is actually for me to you to tell you that I'm going to be in Istanbul in the thirteenth to the nineteenth of November for DevConnect. Also, if any Dev bankless Connect- listeners wants to come, I'll be there too. DevConnect is different than DevCon, right, David? Yes. Is this more yeah. So think of it like a binary on? star system, and one's bigger than the yeah. other, and this is the little okay. star, but they rotate. And so it goes DevCon, DevConnect, DevCon, DevConnect DevCon, every like nine months Very or cool.
0: so. Oh, man, you're, you're day traveling day all over the world, David. Are you ever at home anymore? God, it has been a while, dude. <laughs> it has been a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but tell us about this. So you are excited about a Solana project. A I can't Solana project, yeah. It's an NFT project, so I, you know... Maybe people would have suspected that's the way they, they get you. They hook you into yeah. the Solana community. Yeah. Mad yeah. Labs. Mad Lads. What is it?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's an NFT project. They look really cool. Their volume was the number one most traded volume, at least in the last seven days. So they are just eking above Bored Apes and Mutant Apes. Uh, and so, uh, so this is why this is news uh, is because they are dominating the seven day volume, at least on NFT sales. So the, the, uh, mint went live. They had some like mint drama. Um, but, uh, they're past that. I think they look pretty cool. I you think like the art. I, I like the art. I like the art. I do not own one. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to use Solana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Wait, what would you
1: say? <laughs> I've never. Come used some, I, I own some Soul tokens that I bought at like nine dollars or something. Um, but it's yeah, it's super easy. On Coinbase, Fan- just grab a Phantom wallet. Just connect. I've done stuff on
0: uh, Solana. I have a, a podcast NFT on Solana. Yeah, what I know you, think you do. That, yeah,
5: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll probably go. I'll go buy one of these on Solana, and I'll be the first to use. You, yeah. you heard it,
0: Solana community. You heard it here. Tweet it out when you do.
1: I mean, look at these, they're, they're pretty cool looking. So like the twenties, twenties mobster themed, like, um, uh, like it's like a comic book, uh, noir theme. I think I, I, I'd, I'd say like a noir movie type. Um, yeah, I think, I think they're pretty cool. I think they're pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I get this. Yeah, I vibe with this. Yeah. You if like you should it. nominate in soul if you buy it though. Yeah. I, what, don't uh, I don't know. I don't
1: know about that one. Okay.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on, <laughs> you want to take this one? Well, David, we can't just talk about U.S. regulatory uh, system. We've got to talk about what's going on in Europe. Mika, we did an entire episode on this legislation, uh, looks like it is going through. After more than two and a half years of consultation, heated debates, last-minute amendments, and very close votes in the committee, the EU's parliament today passed the new EU re- crypto framework with an impressive majority. 517 MEPs for and 38 votes against. this is the most comprehensive regulatory framework for crypto that's ever been passed by any major government body. Uh, we did an entire episode on this and the conclusion from our crypto EU Mika experts was this was about a, a B minus in terms of its its quality and its goodness for crypto. So it could have been a lot worse. We could have had a, a failing grade, an F or or a D or something like that. Average would have been C. They rated it as B minus, and I think I mostly agree with that. It leaves much to be desired, but it provides some clarity. Like for instance, Europe, David doesn't have the problem of is ether a security or a commodity or not. There's no Gary Gensler of hmm. Europe um, blocking all of these things. It's quite clearly detailed as to what the nature of uh, ether, the asset, is. It's a commodity. In EU legislation. um a few comments from from the panel that we talked to, the u s is getting its pants beat by global regulation as a comment. That we're this, getting our
1: pants beat by a B minus. nice.
0: Yeah, it's a B minus ahead, but there's still room for the EU to fail here. There's some other regulation that that might be upcoming. AMLR, the data act is is one of them. There's some more. So before anyone in the u s says we're moving to Europe and throws that party, I think we've got to get through this heavier regulation and see where we come out on the other side. So there's still room to fail the semester. Uh, this wow. was just
1: one test. But B minus on the first test. It's better than the United States, that's for sure. Okay, all right. I don't know if I should be optimistic or pessimistic. B minus, my first reaction is like, B minus, cool. We can start from there and work get better. Uh, but then I guess you could start from there and get worse. Anyways. You can, Whatever. So some of the most boomer news that we'll ever put into a weekly roll-up, TransUnion, the credit scoring company, is uh, allow uh, working with some partners to deliver credit scoring to blockchain. Hey, that's <laughs> so, cool though. TLDR, they are allowing. Um, they're basically being an oracle for credit scores on a blockchain. So you have your credit like score, your FICO score. Your FICO score, yeah. You can put that on a blockchain so that something like Ave could like review that credit score and be like, okay, I'll give this person a line of credit. It's not going to work exactly like that, but that's kind of the deal. I think There's that's awesome, some, actually. It's it's not a terrible use case. Um, there's like, you can get, it's private as well. So you can get some privacy. It's one of the earliest, most primitive building blocks for building like uncollateralized lending. Um, it's a thing. cool. We do need credit in DeFi. We We have
0: none. It's all collateral backed loans at this point. Um, speaking of releases, fee has released something here. PHI that's fee. Mm -hmm. What are they doing?
1: Land. uh, So this is like a super cute project that I just think is awesome. Uh, FeeLand, we talked about it before. It's like this 3D landscape for building a little metaverse for yourself that you put objects on based off of what you've done in your Ethereum wallet. So if you've traded on Uniswap, you get a little Uniswap building. If you have bought on OpenSea, you get a little OpenSea ship. Bankless has got some stuff. So if you're a FeeLand user, you got some bankless things that you can uh, claim. So if you're a bank holder, you get a little wagon. If you are a podcast NFT holder, you get a little cute little version of me and Ryan, a little icon to claim. If you are a POAP holder, you get a wallpaper. Uh, So if you are a user of FeeLand, if you're not a user of FeeLand, you should definitely check it out. It's like the most fun identity Web3 non-financial app. So checks all those boxes and it's, it's just pretty fun. It's also a great way to like do, you go on quests to claim these things, right? Um, and so some of the, these are what we're looking at, these four quests that we've got. Um, and so uh, if you are a FeeLand user and you are a Bankless Nation member, you have some objects that you can go play, claim and go put in your little FeeLand. So this is- uh, go do that and then take a screenshot and tweet it and tag Bankless so we can see and we'll retweet it. This is like your on-chain resume or maybe like your
0: on-chain trophy case or something Mm -hmm. like this. It's just a lot of fun to build your profile. The artist behind
1: this, by the way, is the same artist for the noun style. This is why it's pixelated and looks like that. Very cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another release this week, Swell Network. What are they up to? Uh, swell ne- network. We've talked about them before. Uh, live mainnet is now in public beta. So this is a staking as a service like rocket pool, like Lido, like all the other ones, uh, brand new DAO, uh, with, uh, plans to integrate distributed validator technology, which is some more technology that, that I get super hot on. Uh, and so they are launching their mainnet is launched. Uh, so, uh, they would like you to join their community it is their deal. Uh, and also, also stake it. also stake. Yeah. Should also mention both
0: Fee and Swell. Uh, David and I are angel investors mm-hmm. in these projects. Really excited about them. Um, yeah. Jobs of the week, David. Speaking of excitement jobs. here, we got some jobs at Coinbase: mm. a staff blockchain engineer, a staff smart contract engineer. Uh, I think working with Jesse Powell and team. Ooh, Jesse's team, a nice guy. We like to Jesse. what I've heard, Phantom, software engineer mobile. Phantom's is hiring software engineer front end. They just released their wallet, by the way, to mm-hmm. Polygon and Ethereum. Awesome pro- project. Lots of jobs here today. Premium so many wants jobs. a Web3 product management and architect. Uh, Dinera wants a smart contract engineer. Uniswap Labs needs a senior back end engineer senior product uh, designers for Uniswap as well. There's a ton of jobs. Dude, scroll down. There's there so many com. jobs.
1: There are so many. Yeah, look, how many jobs there. look how many jobs look. there are. They, it, it keeps on drops. growing. It's one of those it's things that jobs. you keep on scrolling and it keeps on loading. There's so many jobs. Cri-
0: crypto. This is a bear market in crypto and it's still hiring like, like crazy, which is uh, impressive.
1: Coming up next, we got the questions from the nation. We're going to talk about AI and blockchain and what that intersection looks like. So that's the question from the nation. That's uh, also a similar, a take from the week. Chamath polyapatia from uh, the All In podcast gives a take that crypto is dead. Do we disagree with that take or do we not disagree with that take? We'll talk about that. Uh, And then we're gonna talk about what we are bullish on. So all of that and more, but first I want to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. The Phantom wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number 1 wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon. But that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide your uglies, burn the spam, and also manage your NFT sale listings from inside the wallet phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet but it makes chain management easy displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked so get on the phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta there's a link in the show notes or you can go to phantom.app waitlist to get access in late february bankless is launching the bankless token hub At Bankless, we've been studying the crypto markets ever since 2017 and all of our research has led us to this, the token hub you're a one-stop shop for alpha to help you navigate through the crypto markets have you ever wished for a trusted resource that would share their thoughts ratings and their opinions about tokens boy do we have the product for you the bankless token hub is where we provide bankless citizens with the alpha on the hottest tokens in crypto we do the research so you don't have to the bankless token hub includes the token ratings where our team shares their research and outlook on the hottest tokens in crypto also the token hub includes bankless bags our own internal investment club bankless bags Is where we put our money where our mouth is. And for the bankless power user out there, you can access the analyst team 24-7 inside the Bankless Nation Discord. You can ask them questions and learn from a group of people deep in the weeds of crypto investing. The last feature of the token hub is the ability to upvote or downvote token ratings. The Bankless Token Hub lets you learn from your fellow citizens to rate these tokens yourselves. The Bankless Token Hub is launching right now and has already been beta tested by your fellow bankless citizens. So stay tuned in the bankless Discord for Updates And if you're not a Bankless citizen, well, you better sign up if you want access, because this corner of Bankless is available for citizens only. I'll see you in the Discord. We have a question from Rocket Polster this week. David, you ready for this? Yeah, hit me. Rocket
0: Polster goes, given a future of AI, deep fakes, disinformation, and blockchains, what companies and projects are at the forefront of ensuring provenance and how? It's in brackets, hardware? question mark So... We acknowledge all of these problems with AI becoming like we don't know who the robots are online, uh, you know, whether the robots created this piece of content or a human did, and robots are like infinitely scalable, okay, very very cheap to spin up. Um, we've always had sort of a when it was just the humans on the internet, there was a cost to kind of producing information, and uh, now there's this ability to mass spread all sorts of information like, un- like information that's not credible, all sorts of things. So is there a blockchain solution to this or is there any solution to this that you've seen?
1: Yeah. So, um, really prescient question, I'd say, uh, I think there is, and uh, dare I say Rocket Pulsar is looking for alpha, <laughs> uh, about like, okay, what, what are the companies here? Cause they're probably, I'm assuming that they are bullish on the intersection of AI and crypto and specifically Providence, right? Um, this is one of the really early use cases of uh, crypto that we've seen before. Uh, once upon a time, there was fake news shared about Vitalik's death and uh, about Vitalik's assassination, and the Ether price started to plummet. And so Vitalik took a selfie with a piece of paper of the current block height of Ethereum, and just to prove that it, it was recent enough, and then tweeted like that proof out. of life, right? Proof of life, right? Uh, and and then and then it the price recovered and we moved on. So like you could use the same sort of format with, with like AI, right. And this is just called timestamping. You just like submit a hash and a block, about the origination of some content before you release it to the public. So that when everyone's like, what's the real source of this? You can prove that you have the most original piece of content. So there's- and you could sign that with a private key as well, sign right? Sign that with a private key, right, yeah. huh. And like, that's actually not really a revolution in cryptography that is, or crypt- cryptocurrency, that is a revolution in database design as a blockchain. That's a database um, solution. And cryptography.
0: It's totally cryptography, a cryptography solution. Yes.
1: yes. It's actually a solution that's absent of the currency other than we need a system to secure the database and that's what we use, need the currency for. Anyways, I digress. I kind of see two um, venues here. There is the venue of just like identity. So like WorldCoin is implicitly going after this. Any sort of identity on a blockchain, the identity play is a part of this. Like provenance in the world of AI, we need human AI. Um, you can trust me because you're listening to me on Bankless and I'm a human and you've been listening to me for a while and I'm going to tell you that I own davidhoffman.eth so you can go to davidhoffman.eth and you can assume that that's a, a human player. As and another like,
0: human like me is going right. to socially verify that you own davidhoffman.eth, right. right? And that's kind yeah. of enough to prove that you're a human.
1: Yeah, but you're an AI, so... <laughs> <laughs> there, that. that does get precarious, so there's, there could be more perfect um, ways of doing that. But there's like the the... The, what I'm saying is, like, there are companies that will go directly after this problem, and then there are other ways that are adjacent to this that provide solutions to this problem, adjacently. And that's the identity world. Um, and then there, perhaps, there are companies that are going directly after that after this, which is just like a time stamping company. I remember in 2017 there was like an ICO that was like a time stamping company on Bitcoin, and for some reason the Bitcoiners thought it was bullish. Um, But I don't know of any, I can't name any specific ones, but it is a very, that is a worthwhile place of uh, research to explore, I would say.
0: I think it's huge. I think it's so important. Uh, Yeah, this tidal wave of manipulative content is about to hit the internet. So we got to find out who the humans are and who the robots are. It's Mm -hmm. it's also a national security threat. Like this is kind of nation state, like when nation states can attack other nation states with robo propaganda, right? right? Like how do you actually, like, this is just an, a massive tidal wave that's going to hit everybody. And mm-hmm. what I've seen, David, is like we have the building blocks in crypto. It's going mm-hmm. to be something crypto or crypto adjacent. Like we have the, the ability to store uncensorable, provable data on, on computers that are always running, cannot be taken down, cannot be censored. We got that. We got the um, private key cryptography um, and kind of the management. We have some of the early stages of identity type systems. Um, WorldCoin kind of takes it to the we can actually prove a human using like iris scan uh, type data. And by the way, I think we want to get WorldCoin on the podcast at some point to discuss this.
1: Oh, it's scheduled. We have that scheduled. Sam
0: Altman and the co-founder are coming on. I haven't seen anybody who's put this together in a way that's like scalable and going to work. There's like a lot of slides and a lot of companies promising and decentralized identity has been a theme. Verifiable credentials have been a thing that people have talked about but who is actually putting yeah, it all together? A lot of talk, right? But like who's actually putting it together and making it scalable and making it ready for the world? So the solution is completely clear. I know it's going to, I, like I feel very strongly it's going to be crypto or crypto adjacent. What can I invest in? Like where's the mm. alpha? I am I mean, that's what I want. I'm, I'm kind of back with Rocket Polster. And the truth is I haven't quite seen the project that really excites right. me on this yet. Yeah. But it's got to come, right? We got to yep. solve this. Someone's going to yeah, solve yeah. it.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the big question is just like, does this get solved emergently by a collection of adjacent technologies, like I was saying, or is there one particular startup that's going to tackle this problem head on? Like, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I agree.
0: All right. We'll 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 keep our eyes peeled Great and we'll let you guys Great know, we uh, that Rocket Pollster. Let's get to some takes this week, David. The first take is one we teased earlier from uh, Chamath from the All In podcast. He says, David, crypto is dead in America, I saw this tweet from CNBC. He said, in the, in the U.S., it's dead. But I think we should go straight to the source and actually hear what he said in context. So let's play that.
2: I was just curious to get uh, your thoughts. SEC obviously sent to Wells' notice. We talked about this before. To Brian Armstrong of Coinbase, he said he's thinking about uh, or considering relocating out of the U.S. if the regulatory clarity does not improve. Crypto is dead in America. It is dead in America. <laughs> Crypto's dead in America. I mean, now you had Gensler. You had
4: Gensler even blaming the banking crisis on crypto. So they've the the United States authorities have firmly pointed their guns at crypto.
2: Hmm. Is it a scapegoat, or was it a fuck around, find out moment for crypto, in your mind, or a little bit of both? I, I don't know. I just think that they were probably the ones that were the most threatening to the establishment. Okay. And they were the ones that, in fairness to the regulators, did push the boundaries more than any other sector of the startup economy. And yeah, so now they're
1: paying
0: the price for that. The bill has come due for them. What do you think about that take, Dan? I love how
1: Derek, they talk uh, about us. They talk about us as like a, all of them, them, the crypto industry, and I'm like I, yeah, we, do, we this? do the same. We do the same things, of course. Everyone does this, this but it's like interesting blanket the an industry with it. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The crypto yeah, people, yeah. They, they, their check has come due, right? I was like, that is not my check, Chamath. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cash that one. <laughs> well, what do you think of his uh, overall take then? So yeah, yeah that's the, that was our take for last week on the weekly roll like, yeah, uh huh. Crypto is dead in America. See, I mean, that's, I a actually, hyper, that's a hyperbolic statement. D- Chamaat yes. is a little bit of a diva. All of these guys are a little bit of divas. So are we. Content producers are kind of divas. Uh, he's being a little bit of a diva. Uh, he's not wrong. Everything he says, right. By saying his statement
0: so emphatically and hyperbolically, that's what you're saying, yeah. and you agree with the 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 tone and the thrust of of that statement. But I bet you'd have some like quibbles with. It's not actually dead in America. Yeah. I mean, we haven't like outlawed crypto. We just were in front of um, Congress last week and Gary Gensler was thoroughly grilled for his anti-innovation, anti-crypto right. posturing. I right. think it's, um for me, it's a step too far to say crypto is dead in America. 100%.
1: It's 100%. And I think if you if we were having a conversation with him and we were nitpicking, he would become much more moderate about it. Just yeah. like as the high level headline, crypto is dead a in America. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's a little bit of like a quote unquote bottom signal, right? Like he is, he is presenting a specific snapshot in time and what he's saying, a way to interpret this is like, this is the worst moment in crypto's American relationship ever. Yes, that's accurate. And Coinbase is going to sue the F out of Gary Gensler and the SEC and we're going to come back. And so it's up only from here in terms of our, the health of our relationship with America.
0: I think so. If he's also making the broader point, like one purpose of the soundbite, that headline on CNBC is like, you could phrase this another way. The regulators or the government is killing crypto in America, yeah. right? That's also yeah. hyperbolic, but that also kind of like prompts for it some action. Like, point. what are yeah. you guys doing? You're screwing this up. You're right. leaving America behind. And I hope that's kind of the... The takeaway here too. Right. I uh, get some more takes here, David. Here is from Ethereum on ARM. This mm-hmm. is uh, what are we looking at? We're looking at some hardware here.
1: Yeah. So I put this one in here. This is an Ethereum staking node. You can tell like how close up we are to this tiny little box because of the blur-, blur effect on the uh, on the camera. This has got to be what three inches by three inches by one inch of a of a, a computer full full computer. Wow. That's an Ethereum staking node. This is. Dissident, I had to phrase it this way because, but it's so awesome. This is the smallest, most powerful dissident technology form factor <laughs> that exists. This is a nation state. This is a network freedom state. Freedom technology. In a, freedom technology. There's no, like you can't. This is Ethereum. You cannot shut this down. One one of these things in every person's home. In like one in one hundred people's home, it doesn't matter. It's like so powerful. There's capital on this thing. It's verifying a network. It is an online network state. Uh, it is it is cryptography. It is cryptocurrency. It is just the instantiation of everything that is so cool about the frontier of technology, the industry that we are building, and it's 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 uh, I, I, like I hate to. Be an anti-statist. I am an anti-statist, but it's like big you to nation states because, like, I don't look see. What, I don't think, look what we can do on top of our com, uh, in our little computer box. I actually don't think
0: you're as anti-statist as as you just uh, maybe express if somebody took that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that sound clip out. Is I think this another way to put this? And guys, we're coming out with an episode on liberalism, the protocol mm-hmm. of liberalism on right. Monday. Is not necessarily anti-statist. It is anti-authoritarian, I think, yes. and this is yeah. this is liberalism protocol preserving. So property right. rights, yeah. censorship resistance, freedom of speech—you know those things in the amendments in the Constitution that mm-hmm. we set up our democratic republic protocols right. with. It's this that is, kind of technology. This is
1: a new institutional form factor. It's so awesome. I
0: know. It's awesome. I like that you yeah. pulled that out. I didn't know what you were going to say on, on that image, yeah. but um that's you
1: know way cooler. This than is I this is the part two of this tech this take, actually. So it continues. So you'll you'll be happy to hear. So here's a take from tycoon.eth. When your ETH validator gets chosen to build a block, you gotta step back and appreciate one of the greatest miracles of open source coordination and collaboration. For 12 seconds, your tiny machine in your bedroom is responsible for carrying on a network at worth billions of Dude, billions is, of dollars. That's so cool. It's so awesome. It's so it, awesome. It,
0: is uh, wow, that's why that's why I'm in this community, David. That's why I'm in this industry. This yeah. is, I really believe in this technology as a force for good. Yeah, uh, yeah, all right, cool. You got a take too. Let me read David Hoffman's take: Bankless is an AI alignment podcast until further notice. <laughs> Track record so far: Eliezer Yudkowski, 99% chance of doom, Paul Cristiano, 50% chance of doom. I just recorded with somebody's Nate Twitter name, is his name, at, Nate. uh, Muri. He says mm-hmm. there's a 95% chance of doom. Oh, that's bad news, David. Yeah, that's not good. 95% chance. Yeah, the, this the is the executive guy that works director
1: with, of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. He's at 95%. He works with um, Eliezer Dukowski. Yes. So I expected yes. he'd be in like the 80s yeah. to 90s, but 95% yeah.
0: isn't awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you finish it with this Want ETH to hit 10K? We got to solve AI alignment. Yeah. I don't know. I think we can hit 10 K before that, but you know, <laughs> what's the good of your 10 K ETH if the robots come and destroy it anyway? Right.
1: right yeah. I think that's the take here. So what, what did you want to say about this? Um, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, our hands are, What what's the word? Our hands are forced. Like what's the point of doing anything else? If we can't solve AI, alone.
0: why are we giving this one more uh, special attention? There's all sorts of existential threats, right? There's nuclear it's the proliferation, There's
1: biotech. Why do you think it's, that? It's 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 one or it's one level, one dimension higher than all of other existential. It's the meta existential threat because it can cause all the other existential threats to happen or not happen.
0: I, I kind of agree with this, and the other thing is, if we get it right on the good side, it mm-hmm. starts to solve all of the other existential right. threats okay. potentially.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, not just potentially so that was actually uh so i'm here in uh, montenegro doing this whole like network stake thing with a bunch of um different uh, experts from different corners of the uh, of the world and so nate i was talking to nate just uh, the longest interview i usually do 20 to 40 minute I mean, interviews while i'm out here i did a, over an hour with him the last question and the last point that we the point of things that we talked about is like all of the doom that these people feel, because I I started to get into the the personal. I was like, okay, dude, like, how do you wake up in the morning? How do you keep going when you when you are at ninety five percent? I'm glad you doom? did that. I'm glad you got right. into that, by the way. And so that that was the end of it. And he and he just talked about like I I had my same thing with Eliezer, dude. I had my cry and then picked it up and I kept on going because what else am I going to do? I'm going to solve this problem. And then I did the whole like bankless internal optimist thing because you know we're optimists. And I'm like, okay, well understanding that there's a 99% chance of doom, that we can't solve AI problems, it's it's Terminator, it's it's the worst, it's hell, it's all bad, we all we all get our atoms repurposed, all, all the bad stuff that is the apparently likely, most likely outcome for the AI alignment problem. Under the conditions that we do solve AI alignment, and I'm not saying that we know how to do that, but under the co- assumption that we do get there, we do through th- thread that very small needle, it's not just like, oh, phew, we solved AI, uh, AI alignment, we're not dying. It's actually all of the evils that we are trying to avoid invert and they go from evils to positive because we fix AI alignment. And so it not just goes like, oh no, few, we're still we still get to operate society. Society starts to become literally perfect. It becomes a utopia. It becomes heaven because we solved AI alignment and because we are working with them and they are producing the heaven that we want. And so like Maybe the 99 percent's is bad, but the 1% chance that we solve AI alignment is so good. You're telling me there's a chance. There's, no, I'm not telling you that there's a chance. I'm telling you that if once we if we do get through that chance, the other side of that chance is so cool and awesome because the AIs are doing cool stuff for us, alongside us, shoulder to shoulder, with us, that that is should be motivating. And it, it, it cancels out how, how bad the 99% is. So I don't know if it that's, cancels that's t- it out
0: for me, but I think it's, it's definitely the stakes are like, we don't often talk about the other side of this if we do get it right. I mean, right. all of our episodes have been Doomer, but like, I think it can solve a whole bunch of the existential problems that are outside of the category of AI. Not just a whole right. bunch,
1: all of them. It's so, it, that's the whole cool, that's the cool thing. It solves every problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that what you're bullish on this week, David? I think I saw that. Is this what you're bullish on AI, crypto? T- tell me about what you're bullish on.
1: Yeah, so uh, actually that goes back to Rocket, Rocket Poolster's question. Uh, yeah, and that, that topic. I am bullish on all of a sudden this AI alignment problem is going to like sweep the world slowly, but surely. We're front-running the opportunity here at Bankless with this. Eventually, everyone's going to be talking about this because we're going to be faced with the problem. Crypto is going to provide some tools and some like, like time stamping, like proof of humanity, like all of this stuff is going to provide... Parts of the solution we need to live in an AI world, and it's going to start to legitimize crypto because we've been thinking about these problems for the last decade, and Web2 has not, and nation states have not. We are creating future technologies in crypto that we need to live in an AI world, and we've been building them for a decade now. And so we, as an industry, are the most prepared to help humans live in a post-AI world, and that is going to be extremely legitimizing. And so AI is going to come in and then people will be like, okay, that crypto thing, we kind of need those guys. Um, <laughs> thanks for building the identity stuff. Uh, and that's that's what I'm bullish on. Oh, I'm also bullish on uh, it, a prescient bankless listeners will notice that it's a different time in the day from the last pre-sponsored break. That's because we had to pause the, uh, pause the episode, go do like three meetings and then come back because Ryan and I are super busy. In that amount of time I bought one of the uh, NFTs from earlier the mad lads hey, I was talking about you, so you you did solana you did the solana I touched solana thing. for the first time I bought uh, uh so here's here's my little dude I try to get one that looks like me is it did I get good enough
0: yeah that's pretty good uh, yeah. so this is a mad lad,
1: lad. this is a mad lad yeah huh yeah that's good there cool. you go and that's also I'm I'm now bullish mad lads and I own one so that's David is now a solana bull I'm now so, a solana maxi uh, eat that eat the maximalist. sorry he's <laughs> yeah. turned I thought <laughs> it's, it's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> okay, Ryan, what are you bullish on? Um, I am
0: bullish that we won't go the way that the U.S. won't go the way of China in terms of banning crypto. We're already seeing like Europe do something that was much more measured with Mika. That's great, but like actually reflecting on the hearing, the grilling of Gary Gensler last week, crypto has a lot of friends in Congress. Pretty surprised, right? Patrick McHenry, Tom Emmer, um, these people maybe. They, hopefully they care about Western liberal values. They care about things like free speech. But even if they don't, maybe they're just doing this for the money or whatever. Crypto also has some of that too, like votes and dollars. And um, so I'm bullish that we won't go the way of China. And I'm also bullish that we have a court system that can check nation state regulators and powers. I don't know if this works in all the countries around the world, but the fact that a uh, company, an entrepreneur, can effectively sue the SEC and Gary Gensler, and that there is another power, a higher power in the court system and check and balance on a regulator that wants to completely quash this industry. That's another bullish signal. Um, I also think that we can win the court of opinion, right? So you heard the Br- Brian Armstrong's like, hey, I started the company, it's entrepreneur. I decided to locate it in America. What, what Gensler is doing. He's driving this out of the US. How is it fair? How is it fair? How, how, how can you be called a credible uh, regulator of securities when after seven years, you don't even know? You can't even tell us. You won't give us the clarity on whether Ether is a security or not. It's not that freaking hard. In fact, we saw those clips earlier. Gensler it knew it was a commodity in 2018. Like It was obvious. And now he can't tell us? It's a commodity. I think we win that battle in the court of public opinion. And I do think like in a democracy, hopefully that's what the U S still is. It has, has that, that semblance, it calls itself a democracy that will matter as well. And so I think we win there too. So winning in winning in Congress or early stages of like turning the ties in Congress court system, check and balance. I think we can win the court of opinion as well. So all of this to say, you know, this has almost been the year we've been talking so much about regulators in 2023, mm-hmm. and it's all because of the backlash of SBF and Do Kwan and Mashinsky in 2022. And I get it, but I feel like I feel like we've seen the worst. I don't want to say it's the bottom. Like there could still be some things in Operation Choke Point that are happening, but I'm starting to see um, blue skies ahead and the tide turning a little bit. And I don't think that this ends with kind of a you know, U.S. ban on crypto or some disaster right. scenario.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And when we were doing our ledger show, uh, the State of the Nation we did yesterday, the chart show, uh, we had, for a brief moment we were talking about how, like, you and I got very bullish on Ether in the 2018 to 2020 bear market. And it was, it was perhaps one of the most contrarian things that you and I will ever do with our lives, was be bullish Ether in that time frame and like one thing i mentioned in that show and i i've been reflecting on it in the last like day or so was that i haven't been able to feel that level of contrarian uh, since. cuz like well it was easy to be contrarian at $100 ether it's not it's 20 times less hard to do it at $2000 ether but like reflecting on the current state of the world right now Gary Gensler in the SEC John Oliver just like public opinion about crypto and nfts everyone like crypto crypto is dead nfts are scams uh, we don't need crypto. Uh, upon reflection, it actually is, once again, very contrarian right now and makes it feel very safe because we know crypto is not going anywhere. We need, they they don't even understand how AI is going to come force their hand and make them use crypto. They don't even know that. We know that. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Yeah. I, I agree. It doesn't
0: feel quite as contrarian, but it's still like right. uh, it, the age old trope, but we're still early. Can I say that without saying yes. cli- cliche and dumb, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. actually true. We're still early. Super. Uh, guys, to prove that we have a, a meme of the week combination moment of Zen for you. The Normies won't understand this. David uh, Balenciaga, if Balenciaga met crypto, that's what you're about to see. It's super weird, but I hope you it's stick around. It's super
1: weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do Podcast the risk and disclaimers. won't get it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: risk and disclaimers, of course. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.
1: There's only crypto and fashion, and fashion is Balenciaga. you're not wearing Balenciaga, you will get liquidated.
0: Crypto is risky, but we're headed west, dressed in Balenciaga.